Welcome, everyone, to the Completely Unnecessary Podcast for Tuesday, two Tuesday, Tuesday, January 24th, 2023, only 11 months until Christmas. <laughs> That's the inverse. Why is it almost All February already? Yeah. Oh, wow. 11 months till the best meal of the year. Back again. Wow. It's a month ago. I seem like it was like a week and a half. I'm Pat Conjure. On the show today, we're talking about um, some water shenanigans that happened. Follow-up to the Castlevania Rondo counterfeit. That was bad. Uh, Unreal servers are gone today on the 24th. Google Stadia shut down. Some some layoffs at some uh, game uh, game journalism companies. And we'll have some Amico fun later on and other good stuff. Ian, you have a good weekend, bud? It was all right. It was I, okay. It was I. It was all right. I. Uh, what did I do? Well, we were supposed to play D and D on Sunday night, but our G our GM was sick, so so we general manager general manager. <laughs> uh, you know, I always <laughs> prefer DM dungeon master, but but GM I think is game manager or game master. I prefer dungeon. Okay, dungeony. Uh, and then what else? Watch a lot of basketball. That's what I do. I wish you were watching basketball like last year. I tried to get you on the bandwagon last no, year. No, I, I, dude, I've always liked basketball, but I uh, spent NBA. the past three years off of the NBA. Okay. I, I planned to go back to it last year. I mean, I've always followed oh, it. Oh, I always follow, but watching all the time I haven't done in like three years. And I have never watched as much basketball as I have this year. Good for you. You're into the game. I have lost. I have lost track of all <laughs> the games I have watched. I watched four and a half games last Sunday, just like in a day. Anyway, Ian is the uh, personification of the "I love this game" thing they used to do, like the late nineties, early two thousand. That was their big marketing push. I just like sucked. to watch it. It's fun. It's, it's a good sport. You yeah. can follow the, the strategy fairly easily. Yeah. The, the college basketball was always what I like. Too. I followed closer, but NBA I've followed since two thousand. And uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't mind the modern game as much as I maybe once thought I did. Well, maybe because it's space better now. Yes, thanks to little Steph Curry. Like the game, the, the geometry is different. There's more strategy, I think, than used to be. Get it to the big man, then maybe kick it out to an open shot, and that was basically the game. well, certainly yeah. more offensive and three based too. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's less defense being played now because, of you know, overall, the, the more fouling a little bit that they call. But it's a lot more entertaining, even when I used to watch in the 90s, I feel. The, the game was a lot slower in, like, yeah. the 90s. No, I, I, and, I agree. Uh, I, I, I think overall the game has improved. Yes. They are more skilled players. Oh, like, the, in, the average player has to be more skilled to play in the NBA today. On, on average. Oh, sure. There's no more, like, really... There's, there's a lot of power creep in the NBA. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. can't get away with just having a bunch of guys that knock people in the head like the Knicks did in the 90s, which I love, but, I mean, you can't survive more when your team was a bunch of Anthony Masons and Charles Oakleys. Like, it's kind of hard to do that. You need guys that, that can skillfully right. shoot the ball and, you know what I mean, at the pass. Like, it's kind of... The game's changed. Damn you, John Starks. How about you skillfully make a three in game seven? Sorry. I uh... Holy shit. I've also been messing with baking just a little bit more. With bacon? Oh, with bacon. I made uh, lemon bars. Uh, do you like lemon bars? You know what? I don't have them often. When I do, I'm like, this is pretty good. All right, there's one in your fridge. Oh, Ian! Um, oh, fuck! F- fuck, win! <laughs> lemon bar, thank you, Ian. Uh, yeah, I had one this morning. They're good. This morning was a pick-me-up food for breakfast? Well, because I had uh. to let them chill overnight so they would set a little bit so I could cut them. Okay, they have to, okay. Because it's more, it's custardy. Uh, okay. and I, and I had one this morning and I like it. It's, it's, uh, they're good. They're, you're not going to have it and be like, oh, this is gross. I could just do better. 
You're too self-critical, Ian. Well, baking is, uh, is definitely the area where I need the most improvement. Frank, Frank is always too critical about his cooking. Where he's like, did the potatoes come out okay? And, and, and is, this, is this overcooked? I said, Frank. I hold myself to a very high standard. I said, Frank. So does Frank. We, you only had one disaster we all know about when you undercooked that duck that was bleeding when we cut it open. Other than that. <laughs> That was a, I said to him, I was honest, I, uh, that was a disaster. We knew it was. Other than that, Frank has never let us I was down there ever. for that, wasn't I? No, you weren't there. You weren't there for the duck. It was just me and Frank. You were there. Last, last year you were there was a, was a barbecue at Burgers, I think. No, he did a, a bird on a grill once, but oh, I, I, remember, of, I remember it coming out fine. Yeah, okay. Oh, he, he does tons of chicken with lemons and stuff. He's sure. great at seasoning. No, he weren't there. The, the duck was a disaster because we had to put it back in the oven, and then like we started eating like 45 minutes late, and like there wasn't that much meat on the duck to begin with. And it was just like, damn, intermittent fasting was fucking starving. Um, so, anyways, you'll enjoy it. Thank you, Wayne. Real, real quick, we only have two full weekly podcasts left after this, 349 and 350. After that, we'll go on a, a semi-breakers thing where we'll come back uh, with occasional big episodes, like the Babylon 5 model, as I, as I told people. Like sure. Babylon 5 had their five seasons. And they the had, Futurama. They had the seasons movies, end, yes. but we released four movies. There you go. <laughs> That's what it is. There's three. I can't even remember how many But thank you. For, a lot of people have all their kind words. I put out a channel update video, and people... They're saying, hey, I've listened to the podcast since I was in middle school. Now I'm getting my master's. And I'm like, great. I haven't heard much about uh, from people about the podcast ending. So maybe I should go look at that. Are you being facetious? You haven't seen all the comments? on? No, I haven't seen a lot of stuff. Oh, um, oh, speaking of that, what did I do, Ian? I finished. Yeah, what did you do? I finished my Christmas video in mid-January. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you did. It was good. It was good. Norm Norm called it my magnum opus. It's a good one. <laughs> oh, it's a good. You see, you no, know, I like it. The yeah. only thing I, I'll be honest, oh. it's not so much length. It was uh, to get your point across and to say things. You broke the Pat the NES Punk illusion a number I of don't times. Think I did that. I at think all. you did be- because the Shields actually called me Pat the NES Punk. We'll talk about more later, but sure. The fact that they were stupid enough. I loved it though. I mean, the editing was fantastic. Thank you, Ian. You're that, welcome. That's the, like the editing was extremely, extremely good. That was probably forty hours of editing. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Well, it, it shows you did a good job. Thank you, Ian. Wow, Ian's comedy more than I ever did. It's like my father never gave me compliments. Um, and I brought you a lemon bar. and a lemon bar for the, for that. But the fact that these tools said the said pat the nes punk and not just like pat country yeah i'm like this is this is teed up for me to use in a video because they're they're thinking i'm the character or just like like, what the fuck are these people it also shows they live in a fictional online world which we'll get to more later sure but anyway so when i saw that i was like okay this is gonna happen this is gonna happen and it happened and people are, are are liking it and digging it um it's almost at a hundred thousand views in a little over a week and that's for NES Punk video, that has not happened. That's great. Usually they have a long tail. They'll get to over 100,000 views eventually, but it has not happened. Well, I mean, Omiko is uh, an evergreen topic. It's going to be. Uh, Wada is also semi-green, kind of like Aqua. Semi-green. <laughs> semi-green. They, re- they responded to the counterfeit Castlevania Rondo PC engine game we spoke about a couple weeks Please ago. Please let me read this. Can I read this? Oh, you can do whatever you want. I'd here. like to read this. You gave me a lemon bar. I'm yours. <laughs> the response on the PC works round of blood reproduction, reproduction, reproduction. In June of 2021, WADA mistakenly authenticated a PCE works Castlevania Rondo of blood reproduction. Certain number. We learned about the PCE works reproductions shortly after grading and have hold on. Cause that's where I really want to lean in. 
uh, and have taken steps to ensure we will be able to identify these types of reproductions from that point forward. The WADA team is also attempting to retrieve the game to ensure it is removed from our holder and the certification is voided. Come the fuck on! Come on! We learned about the PCE Works reproduction shortly after grading bullshit! That's such a huge load of hot, steaming, wet, fetid bullshit. What? You did not learn about them shortly after grading this. They've been around forever. You put out pamphlets talking about how you were the best in the industry for this. You didn't fucking learn about this after. (laughs) Oh my fucking god. What? Uh, I think, wow, that was vintage Ian moment. Uh, That was fucking ridiculous. It's ridiculous. They didn't learn about him after. You're telling me WADA learned about PCE Works reproductions in the middle of 2020 fucking uh, one? It's, yeah, they, at that point, they've been grading for a few years since 18. Yeah, that is true. But if they learned in 2021, why wouldn't they have tried to get the word out then and try to retrieve the bad? Because it's a lie. It's, it's a lie. I, I, it's bullshit. It, it's, it's, it's fucking patent bullshit. Yeah, you are not in the collecting industry in the collecting game as uh, deep as you say you are, and that's why you guys are ready to be the fucking the the the, the centerpiece of the grading industry and not know about PCE works reproductions. You fucked up. Your grader wasn't as good as they thought. Well, that you thought they were. I think it's funny that uh, every layman knows that faking a seal on a CD game is a thousand times easier. Than faking one on uh, like a Turbo Graphics game or NES game, like there, there, it's there's a lot more that goes into it, and you don't you don't have access. The average person would not have access to a facility to do an HC on an NES game. I've talked to people; it's like that's like a twenty thousand dollar, twenty five thousand dollar piece of equipment. You can find uh, sealed CDs anywhere. People that do shit like that, like that's not that's not the issue. But the fact that like you said, they're supposed to be the authority on here. They're supposed to be the experts. In my head, you would have one person, one grader at least, for every console that would be the expert to know about this stuff. And the fact that this happened is is gives you no faith that they – what if they did a bunch of other TurboGrafx uh, sealed ones or, or, or PC Engine ones that you don't know about? Or I don't know um, – there, there were there were smaller. I don't know, fucking all the CDI games that were CDs that were sealed and and 3DOs that are CD games. Like they don't, they, they, it does not give you confidence at all. It just doesn't. Well, no, no, I mean, and, and that's the thing. Uh, one, it's bullshit. But two, they should have just come out and said they made a mistake and we're sorry. It's it's bullshit. But they so they lied. Yeah. Because here's the other problem with it. You're telling me the world's greatest grading service didn't know about these until 2021. How can you have faith in them over anything? Again, if, if, about anything the, the, they're, they're showing themselves just, it's just it's insane and again why would they wait a year and a half to like talk about this it's just it's it a fucking out? it's a it's a fucking it's crazy they should have if they really knew they should have tracked down these copies and reimbursed the full value for the fuck up okay anyways. anyways 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 or is that anyway um yeah it's bad really bad and I and then I'm sure CGC is licking their chops seeing this bad news. Now CGC is starting to get out there with their graded games. The Heritage Auctions and now are now auctioning off CGC games. So I think they're like, all right, cool. Let's let's step in here. Let's get the competition. I thought that was going to be healthy when WADA came in to challenge VGA. It takes a third grading company, I guess, to do it right. We'll get hopefully the third third times the charm. I hope. I hope. You hope. 
I didn't think you would do that, Ian. I didn't think I'd do that either, but it's just such a bold-faced fucking lie. It's bad. It's really bad. It, I mean, it's... Whew. Okay. Uh, speaking of that, reason number 75 not to get a, a, a slab game, I guess. Uh, U.S. Customs destroyed a WADA-certified copy of Pokemon Yellow. I guess in that seal was probably a real. Um, it was at some point. They should have put the seal into, into the box. Yeah, it was... Uh... Nice dives. This is a they, a. they cut it open and then they cut the front off, which is the weirdest part of it. Um, the plastic case was taken apart and the box had its front cover ripped off and the seal Jesus. had been discarded as well. Obviously, nothing dangerous was found in the package, which is why it eventually made it to the customer. Um, yeah, I don't grade games, but I don't wish this on anyone. That's oh that's no, this is up. horrible. That's fucked up, and I mean fuck customs. <laughs> but I'm not against people having sealed games. I know people out there have said that in weird videos. But uh, wow, it's bad. Uh, so Night Dive Studio CEO. Yeah, I feel Stephen I feel real Kick- bad about that. Uh, Night Dive Studio CEO Stephen Kick shared a story of his friend purchasing the above mentioned copy of Pokemon Yellow. This is from a Go Nintendo article by Raw Meat Cowboy. What a name! And so, it doesn't look like it was fucking ripped off. It looks like the front cover was cut off, yes. which is the weirdest way to open a box I've ever seen. Maybe they thought it was actually something that was bomb specific. That's like they so they it. weren't. Sli- yeah, so they didn't open the box up. Like this is weird. Was this like a bad X-ray scan? You think they would just X-ray this shit? Like like a you know, I've never heard of this happening before. I've heard I've heard of them opening up sealed games. I think I've heard of that happening or 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 tinkering with it. I never heard them destroying something like this before. Hopefully, hopefully it didn't. Call, I mean, maybe there's a notoriety. You can sell this for a, an auction. It's it's the customs copy. Get it regraded. Send it back. This is the customs copy. Get the mark on it. There you go. I, I, Honestly, I saw that's it. kind of a funny key I, way to do I it. I solved it, Raw Me Cowboy. You get it sent in. It, it, this has notoriety. This is now the most well-known sealed or unsealed Pokemon Yellow ever. There you go. We just solved it for you. Uh, Nintendo ramping up Switch production news coming out ahead of their the Zelda Breath of the Wild a sequel, Teal, Tears of the Kingdom. Semi-sequel, whatever. It's the same engine. It's a sequel. Uh, sources familiar with the matter told Bloomberg. This is from uh, IGN Ryan Dinsdale. Told Bloomberg that Nintendo had told, has told suppliers and assembly partners that it plans to increase production for financial year 23 to 24, which would be usually March to March. So there you go. Oh, beginning of April, yeah. And March is end of end of the last quarter, technically, for the fiscal. Yeah. Uh, the increase in production is also a result of component shortages, deciding for two years, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So you'd say, why would they do this? Well, if Nintendo thought that they were leaving money on the table because they couldn't produce enough Switches to get in people's hands, why not pump out more to you know squeeze as much blood from the Switch stone as you can? Sure. Especially with this game coming out, because obviously this game was – this was their killer app when the Switch came out. How six years ago the switch came out? Holy shit, six years ago! My god, six years ago, 17. Dean's eyes lit up. So I see that. So that means that they're ramping up production. Obviously, Switch Pro's not happening anytime soon. Then. No, clearly, probably. I mean, I mean, you're not going to see it this year. We're you not going to see it next year. You might not see it at this point. We're just going to get a full system upgrade. We're not going to, I don't, we're not going to get a half measure switch. It's too late. Point. Yeah, I think it's way too late. But it'd probably be backwards compabitable, but yeah, those would be probably backwards compatible, but I, I I don't think it'll be a half step like a PS4 Pro. I think they'll just be like, here's the new. It'll be a 3DS. Deal. A Switch 2. Yeah. Yeah. We're just going to do a full upgrade. It will be backwards <clears throat> compatible. Sure. Because I'm sure the card slots have worked out, the little the little guys. 
that's fine. We're going to stay with the same. No one's ever complained about them. The reliability, they hold the date. I mean, yeah, it's probably fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, Yeah, that's, uh, it's interesting. So maybe we'll see the new switch in the end of 24 or sometime in 25. So you might get nine years out of the switch. You might get, yeah, that's, that's OG, like sort of lifespan for consoles. That's like NES that lasted like 10 years, just about, you know, the Famicom lasted like a little over 10 years, about 11 years. PC Engine was about ten years. I think so. Genesis was about. Uh, I think I think PC Engine was a solid eight or nine. Never mind. And then yeah, but then once you got later, they were more like six years. You know, N sixty four was six six and a half years only. Some of the Nintendo generations have been shorter. Some of the other consoles well, no one, have had longer generations. Well, no one bought the N sixty four all in all, so I mean that makes sense. Obviously, the Wii U was a, was a catastrophe. The GBA was an incredibly short generation. They, they, that was only like five years, I think, before the DS came out. I mean, they made they made Wii U games for more than four years, but I mean, that system was dead after like three, three and a half. Which one? Uh, excuse me, the Wii U. The Wii U. Oh, yeah. It was 2012 to, to 17. Yeah, honestly, it was done four years. the first two years. Yeah, yeah, no one cared. Four years. So that that's still Nintendo's biggest failure because of that. You know, not, don't count the Virtual Boy, which didn't last a year. That's a novelty item. Uh, OG Game Boy lasted like... Uh, decent amount, right? Several years before they went to the color entirely? Uh, yeah, but I mean, they redid it with the Pocket, which had a better screen and better battery life. It's and... the same games, though. It's uh, the same platform. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I mean, by platform, that's yeah. what I mean. But all right, cool. You know what's your favorite platform, Ian? UltimateNintendo.com. Sure. That's your favorite platform. That platform, you can get RBI baseball stickers. You can get uh, limited uh, stickers. Uh, you can get... A limited t-shirt, you get the CU Podcast enamel pins. You get RBI baseball stickers, certain guidebooks as well. You cannot get the Bobby the Brain figure right there, but you can get that stuff at UltimateNintendo.com. I, I should buy a Bobby the Brain t-shirt. I know why I have it, since I worship Bobby Heated. I don't know why I should, I should do that. Uh, I'm on Twitch. Uh, Wednesdays, twitch.tv slash country code. Always having fun. Ian will not be there this Wednesday. Mm-mm. And um, uh, yeah, and the NES app is uh, updated. It's updated. Where's the update button? Again, or are we just making sure people know about the the the, the, the current update? Oh, I'm just getting it in just to make sure people know. Gotcha. The NES app is updated. Ultimate game guide for NES on iOS and Google Play. Check it out. Best version of the app ever, 3.0. Good job, Jerry Ed Embrace, Embrace Way for getting it done. Uh, Unreal servers are officially gone today on the 24th. The, 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 the epic servers are gone. So the ones that have been around for literally 20 years plus are gone 20 23 four years for the unreal tournament 99 and then i guess there's probably original unreal unreal uh server still on playing the, the og deck 16 which to this day is one of the best designed multiplayer stages ever if you're familiar with deck 16 then became deck 32 even mm-hmm. ian knows it he's not even a huge unreal fan no but i played i played a little bit that of and facing worlds for capture flag are, are, are like known as like really well designed uh more deck 16 but facing worlds is interesting where it's the two castles and it's like oh okay yeah, 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 yeah you've heard of it <laughs> yes those are the two most famous unreal maps and they always update them for each iteration because they're great maps um so so great so now in the future you can play your unreal tournament x officially which is the 2007 one which i which will be cross compatible i'm sure i'll get into it but the, that doesn't have the modes that doesn't have, they got rid of assault which is in which was an, a, a mind-blowing mode assault when it came out in the original unreal tournament and then in 2000 Three, they did it, I believe. 2003, we would gloss over. Even I didn't really play 2003. 2004, 
assault mode is what I played competitively like most of the time. It was it's incredible. You ever played an assault mode before? I don't know assault mode. No, it's team mode. You get objectives. There, there's stories though. It's like oh, capture these missile silos, and it's like, dude, it's it's it was super unique. I'm not sure if a, if a game does it now. And was it versus or it's versus? So you can have boss, but it's you play so two offense teams. and defense. Two teams defend defend you defend the goals. Oh, I, okay, I get with, what you're with, saying. And there's there's checkpoints that that open up things for the next part of the level. Um, I played a version of that. I can't remember what it was called, but I really liked it. Uh, I think there was like a version of that on the first remake Star Wars Battlefront. That sounds familiar okay. to me. I think I played that, and it was really really fun. Yeah. Because then it's like, can you beat the time if you defend first? Can you do it quicker then? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I really like that. That was a, a lot of fun. You usually get a time limit, like five, six minutes. Yeah, and it ago. switches off uh, at, at various locations, basically. Yes. Yeah. When you hit a checkpoint, it opens up the next part of the stage. So when you respawn okay. closer. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. The battlefront part was not, that was not the, it wasn't exactly the same, but it was similar. But and it's a fun way to play. Very unique stages. They even threw in, like, obviously the guns you could fire, people that you can blow up. Like, God, I'm so pissed off. But there'll be private servers up. People said, hey, Pat, we have private servers. It'll still be alive. But I tried to play it quickly in the past week, and I told you this. Yeah. I thought I had it downloaded on good old games. I don't always have Unreal Gold, the original. I don't have Unreal Tournament. This is how silly it fucking is. Because I had purchased, uh, you know, obviously the real version way back. Then I repurchased it just to get the code. So even if I found my one with the code, it probably wouldn't work anymore. The, the serial number wouldn't work. I couldn't quickly purchase the game. I couldn't just buy it for five bucks to play it. So I had a, I had a because that's the one time where I was like, this sucks. Like This really sucks. So I would have gl- gladly purchased all of them just to have them for posterity. I just think I it's funny that you paid... say this because I have talked about emulation before and Ooh. how if I can't buy something, I'm going to get it. Ooh. And you're like, well, I don't know that accessibility is. You do the same um, thing. You want something that you can't pay for. You pirate it. This is a game, though, with servers versus a ROM. OK, Patrick, you you can't uh. buy something. You pirate it. It's how it goes. You let me buy it and I will pay you money. Oh, come on. Are you gonna, you're liking this to play Tom Sawyer on the NES. It's not quite the same thing. This is a game that people People still play. Give me a break, Ian. Come on. You're killing me. You're the, killing the, me the principle is the same. It's you couldn't buy it, a... so you pirated ah. it. <laughs> the Tom Sawyer same. wasn't available until two weeks ago. <clears throat> this Unreal was. Anyway. 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 Uh, Google Stadia has been shut down via about a week ago on the 18th. I'll say this about Google Stadia. It lasted longer than we thought it was going to by a great margin um and i'm happy it helped my friends see some of their games through to completion uh it helped some indie developers a lot uh it was a bad idea it was a bad service but you know there were some silver linings there and that's really all i can say about it uh you know like any other google product it had a it had an expiration date on it and they released an update, I think, that allows you to use the Google Stadia controller with other systems oh, or PCs now. It's good. Also just uh, which garbage. Is, which supposedly is supposed to be great because uh, that, that was like the best thing about the Stadia, according to people, is that the controller was. Excuse me, Jesus. This, okay. The controller was really good. It looks like a decent controller. <laughs> I mean, they, they, I'd have to they, feel they, it. They hired someone to make a controller. I don't know they made them in Google's offices, but sure. Um, and then, then it looks like some of the uh, publishers put out ways to transfer their save state. Save data over from Google to 
to like whatever, like Borderlands. There's a save utility they came out with, so that's cool. They, they, they were they were trying to help people out with some of these games. It looks like, so that's cool. And remember, Google refunded everything. Yeah. So you got a free controller. Maybe the, oh yeah, horror purchasers. You got it for free. So you should have got it early. You should have. You should have bought them. You should have bought. Imagine someone, early. someone bought twenty controllers. Jesus, that would have been fun. Uh, unfortunately, there's been a lot of layoffs in the industry lately. Uh, GameSpot and Giant Bomb uh, was hit with layoffs, and Microsoft's Xbox division laid off uh, roughly 10,000 people, including uh, pretty much the entire, I think it's 343 development team, uh, which is behind um, Halo. Um, I know with the Microsoft layoffs, at the very least, the Xbox-related stuff, um, I do. I'm sorry. I just think it's gross that we're in this position where we're constantly acquiring uh, studios. It's like these video game companies view this as some sort of fucking arms race with any sort of positive end. They keep buying up studios and laying people off in the hundreds and thousands. And, um, you know, this happens in business, but this has been an incredibly common thing that has happened many times this year in video games and last year. And it all comes down to greed. It all comes down to these companies wanting to grab all the companies they can so okay. they look better and pe- it costs ten thousand thousands of jobs. Yeah, let's just be clear, though. This was not all Xbox jobs. This was across all Microsoft, oh, okay. included Xbox and Halo okay. Studios jobs. Uh, so, yeah. Probably they, they overhired, obviously, and then obviously they probably bought some companies. They, they that, didn't overhire. They bought too much. Well, looking – we were on this over the phone. The, the, the number of employees keeps increasing every year, like dramatically. So at some point, that can't, you cannot keep increasing like that and expect it to go well. Um, so, yeah, it sucks, especially as I think I read about one of the uh, – one of the – like the, like one of the people that came back to try to like help finish the new Halo title, title was involved with this, and now they're gone or something. Something weird happened, it looked like, where – yeah. I don't think it's weird. I think it's just company greed. It's corporate greed. I'm not sure there's anything to do with the with the Activision Blizzard thing. That's going to still take forever to go through, if that even goes through. If they get through the lawsuit with that, yeah, yeah, it stinks. And, and then obviously you had um, the uh, GameSpot and Giant Bomb uh, layoffs. Um, this we talked about the we talked about the acquisition that happened with this. I think last year. Or a couple years ago, whenever the acquisition happened, with um, what was it? Uh, Fandom. They when they bought out the um, basically this basically the one company that owns everything. Company owns Wikipedia. I got Gamespot, Giant Bomb, Metacritic, and more. Last fall, yeah, we we spoke about this at the. It time. was on January eighteenth, twenty twenty two. Microsoft okay. announced its intent. Okay, I thought I thought you meant the, the, the well, this, this acquisition of. I'm talking about this. I'm talking about the giant bomb thing now. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about the Microsoft. Sorry. Yeah, the the, the the fandom company bought out all these websites, right? Right. Um, and then unfortunately, we know that when you do this acquisition, people are going to get laid off. It's just when. So they they laid off forty to fifty people across the company, and that included some giant bomb and Gamespot uh, employees, and so. GameSpot, I mean, it's not like they're folding up, but obviously it stinks. And it's like at this point, you don't see any probably any game news site growing anymore. At this point, it's just standing pat or 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 shrinking. I guess IGN is probably doing OK, you know? Yeah. But at this point, what know. do you got? GameSpot, you got you got IGN. 
I guess you count Giant Bomb in there. I don't usually associate them with news sites as the other ones versus content creation, but they, they have news. But who else do you, after that, like you, you're starting There's to Kotaku. Kotaku is just, they're everything though, but yeah, they have, they have game I mean, news. it's games related, but I don't, I don't uh, go there for game news. I honestly don't go anywhere for game news. I, I go, I, I, it's brought to me on Twitter. It's retweeted onto my timeline. I followed the right people to get the info that I want. Uh, and honestly, I've just I, I load up I load up Steam and I just scroll through my queue and I learn about games that way. Like it's just I rarely has I, I can't remember the last time I've logged it. I've gone to a video game website of any sort and been presented with and just look at the news at and the just look at the, the news. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Case in point, it's a different world, right? That's that's what it happens. So yeah, I think we'll all, we will always have an IGN around. I guess they're the big one or a GameSpot in some capacity. I think you'll always have room for like a couple of big gaming sites. Yeah, maybe like the same way. Like you're never going to run out of all the newspapers. You you probably still have like the big the big ones probably around in some capacity. I think you'll always have like. You know, like the the Washington Post and the New York Times. You know what I mean? You're always going to have the L.A. Times. You're always going to have, like, the – is it L.A. Times? I think it is. You're always going to have, like, the big city ones and maybe some – but, like, you're never going to go back to where it was where you had, you know, every 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 state had, like, four big newspapers that operated. Oh, yeah. No. Uh-uh. It's, it's different. Like, you're always going to have, like I, – I grew up with the Star-Ledger. That'll probably always be around because that's been around forever. But, yeah, the legacy ones might be around. Star-Ledger's still around? It should be. Yeah, it's still around. That's the Newark-based – that was a paper we had. That's when we got delivered. So we had the good old fashioned Buffalo News. Are they still around? Are they hanging yeah, in there. Buffalo News is still around. All all, the, all that Dominic Hasek news that would come out to the game. <laughs> Christ, man, that's the only <laughs> Pat Lafontaine. No, he was Islanders. Pat Fucking Lafontaine. really pulling back. I mean, he's he's a Hall of Fame goalie. Hasek. Who else was in the on the Sabers in the eighties and early nineties? No, I, I mean, was there anyone else that was a Hall of Famer? Miroslav Shatan. No, he wasn't a goalie though. I mean, I mean, any Hall of Famer in Buffalo at, no, I don't know. at that time. Shit- was Shatan a Hall of Famer? Probably. Probably it was close. Miroslav? See you hockey cast now. I've been meaning to, like, throw in a hockey game and see if suddenly I can watch it again. No? I, I haven't yet. I haven't, like, tried. Okay. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. You want want to zip into the the main podcast topic? I thought you were going to talk about Earthworm. Yeah, we can just zip into the main podcast topic. We're here. We're here. This segment of the CU Podcast is brought to you by Into the AM. They have premium, high-quality apparel, including nice graphic tees, basic tees, hoodies, and even boxer briefs. I'm wearing, Ian, the Raging Sea. You got the Grizzly Instincts. You love bears. Look, it's got a bear on it. You love that stuff. Into the AM offers different collections and themes like space, animal, nature, skull, and festival. Shirts are ultra soft, pre-shrunk, tailored fit, and use eco-friendly inks. Into the AM is running a bundle deal for their graphic tees, which are three for 60. And they also have three basic tees for a great discount as well. Click the link in the description on YouTube, or if you're a podcast listener, use code CONTRI, C-O-N-T-R-I, and you'll get 10% off these very comfortable shirts and gear. Go look good and feel good with Into the AM. Get a shirt with a bear on it. 
You're going to have to start this off because it's a response to your video, but I'm definitely going to get in there. Oh, uh, uh, we're going to talk about a little Earthworm Jim first. Okay. And this goes to a, a and We all point. knew this. But this goes to a larger point of the deceit and lies surrounding the Intellivision Amico and the promotion and just how they try to hook in consumers and investors with shit that never really existed. And we call this from the get-go. So the Earthworm Jim little flash animation bullshit they came up with where it's a little run cycle left and then right and that's it at the time we said that's all they probably worked on was that not even a proof of concept they literally just animated this shit and to put it in the trailer i don't even think that's running on anything sort of engine it's literally just a background with animation or whatever it could be running on something the point is like it's not a game right and they didn't have plans to work on the game they they said oh we're gonna wait until we launch then we'll get the money to do that but the point is is that they use that as a focal point the only mainstream tension they ever got prior to that e3 2021 video wow it's almost two years was Earthworm Jim. That got hundreds of thousands of views on, on their YouTube channel. Hundreds it, of thousands? It got it got around. Hmm. It, it got taken down. It's not there Oh, anymore. that's right. It's not there anymore. Interplay eventually said, stop with this horse shit. shit. Yeah. So they took down most of their references to that. Might have still been in their August reveal, the August 6, 2020 reveal. That was the one that was a day late uh, due to the CNET stuff. And CNET got pissed at them, I think. So, right, so the point is, is now it's officially coming out via time extension. Time extension is like the offshoot site from Nintendo Life. And our our pal Damian McFerrin, who used to write articles uh, featuring Tommy's Q&As with absolutely zero pushback. He did or, a little journalism here. Uh, yeah, he did. He finally, uh, did a little journalism. I applaud you, Damian McFerrin, for doing some, some uh, fact-checking and, and double-checking things, you know, uh, two, three years later. But we did it here. So Nintendo Life, uh, now Time Extension, reached out to a member of the original Earthworm Jim team, lead artist Nick Broody. And this is what they said. Um, a new Earthworm Jim, Earthworm Jim game with the original team almost happened five years ago, but a deal with the IP owners couldn't get worked out. I think everyone will be up for some time. Feels like unfinished business, but hard to align everyone. I wouldn't do it without the key players. So then Tommy got the band back together for their little, I guess, powwow beer meetup where they, they were all... They, they put this in their pitch videos and, sh- and their trailers. They're all... They got note past Tommy. He's like, hmm. And they got together to do some cry walking. I don't know if it's that cry walking. <laughs> but they, from an episode of Home But movies. they <laughs> literally had nothing and were just brainstorming potential ideas. The problem is, is that Tommy used that as the impetus to say Earthworm Jim 4 was being worked on. And it wasn't being worked on. Um, so the fob uh, in, this, in this article, he says this. I wasn't, am not involved in Earthworm Jim 4. The Shine team did get together for a reunion that Tommy Talrico organized. Hey, guys, get back together. We'll talk about stuff we worked on 25 years ago. He also used that to start a live stream to the world to talk about the Amico console that he was spearheading, of which Earthworm Jim 4 was going to be one of the titles released on the console. At the reunion, we all did get together privately and talk about ideas for the next Earthworm Jim game. And that was the extent of it from me and probably the extent of everyone else. Yeah, for everyone else. That was it. It was to get people excited. I saw people doing videos. YouTubers saying, hey, Earthworm Jim 4 is coming to the Amico. I saw it. It worked. It was the most mainstream coverage they ever got was this Earthworm Jim game. It was. You can check the numbers. If you can find the original, I think they took the video down. Um, So he also said, uh, 
it was a Nick said it was a fun moment where it felt like the old team was back together. I believe some of the original Shining members were interested in making it though. There you go. Never was gonna never was gonna get made. Nope. Unless this console blew up and sold hundreds of thousands of consoles, it was not gonna be made. It was a sham. Absolutely a sham. And I think Interplay was it last year, the year before, Bay said, what the hell's going on? Stop using yeah. our name. We don't know exactly what happened there, right. but that, that's kind of what we think. But they probably sent a strongly worded email saying, st- stop using this game to promote this yeah. console yeah. and our IP. Well, it's because, I mean, every, every partnership he had was formulated on a, we, maybe we should do something, and someone said, yeah, and he took it as... Back of napkin writing. Oh, yeah. Earthworm Jim 4, we're going to do it. We're going to run with it, and we're going to try to hook And they it probably let him fucking dick around with it for a little while, like a kid in a sandbox with a new toy, and then they're like, okay, Tommy, obviously never, nothing's happening here. They're patting Tommy the head. Yeah, Tommy, we're, we're going we're gonna to do it. It's going to be fun times. They're just, you know, and then Tommy uses it to chew bilk investors and, and YouTubers into thinking that there's something going on with this when there really, really, really wasn't, which segues now into this. Here we go. So... I put out a Pat the NES Punk video called Intellivision Amico Christmas. The holiday is not the important part. It, there's, it's themed that way, but there's, there's nothing of importance there. So what I did in that video that Ian said was, was pretty well edited. Thank you, Ian, yep. in, the, in the intro. I lampooned all the bad takes and all the over-the-top criticisms that – Ian and I got, but a lot of times only directed at, at me because they called me Pat the NES Punk because they, they think it's a character when it's, you know, I'm, my, that's not my name. That's just a character, a fictional character. But they directed all these over-the-top hits at us. And I highlighted some specific individuals who I thought took it too personally because these weren't Ian people that said, hey, I'm, I'm excited about this console. I think it's going to be a good idea. Or even just saying, you know what? I think Pat and Ian are wrong, and this is why. People decided to go into a different direction and attack us personally, make fun of uh, sometimes our appearances, make fun of how we speak. Uh, I stutter, guys. Uh, get over it. It happens. <laughs> and, say, and really say things to try to ding our reputation in the quote-unquote retro game community and in, the, I guess, the gaming YouTube community really tried to think that they were going to take us down. And what was interesting, I think the most, the most interesting point of this part of this to me was that we, uh, that they swung first. Oh yes. We had, we had criticisms about the Intellivision Amico and they felt like they had to come out. I mean, talk about, you know, these, these are the people who probably fucking hate simps and fucking you simped for Tommy. We'll get into that. You simped for Tommy, but, but I'm sorry, real quick. They, we never attacked them. We attacked the Amico, and they attacked us because we attacked the Amico. And, and um, some of you going to say, guys, you shouldn't punch down. These, um, this isn't going after innocent people. This isn't going after people that you know, I'm never going to go after anyone that just but, said, I'm excited for the Amico. I said I felt worst about people that were legitimately excited for a new Intellivision console. I said... Because they got taken for the biggest ride, and now the Intellivision name is forever mud going forward. Sure. Those are the people I honestly feel bad for. The folks that like hang out at PRGE at the Intellivision booth just to say, hey, we love growing up with the Intellivision. They, that name is forever tarnished now, unfortunately. 
because of the Amico and Tommy Tallarico and his minions, like these YouTube minions we'll get into. So I did a poll, Ian, just to see, like, should we talk about these specific people or not? And, it's, and I featured most of them in this video. Uh, 61.7%, 62%. Yes, they deserve it all. Uh, 17% said, yes, but don't be petty. So that's 69%, uh, 79%, 79%. And 21%, 21% said they're not worth it, but people in the comments still said it would be fun. So, so I had a fun time putting together this, and uh, I'll try not to uh, go too below the belt, but hey, they already did. So what can I say? If, if we swing back a little bit, I'm sorry, but at some point, it has to be said. And we don't have that many podcasts left to do this. You know, this, this is not a victory lap. This is going after specific individuals. I, I feel like this is what I would have mostly covered in my victory oh, lap. Oh, really? So this is, I, okay. I, I mean, honestly, we're just going to be repeating ourselves. We'll do a big end of a Miko show whenever they okay. go bankrupt or whatever. But this was ma- mainly what I wanted to focus on. So this is, I'm going to forget to say things, and I'm sure it's going to come back up again in the future. But this is more or less me trying to get everything out. Okay. But this is targeted at specific individuals yes. that deserve the most. First off, Probably the the least offensive one, but annoyed me honestly the most was Game Test Play. Game Test Play did a video mocking us and our coverage, not just mocked our coverage, made fun of how we spoke, made fun of me saying um, said that we should learn. Made to fun t- of me tripping over my words because it happened. Said we should learn to talk. Talk down us like we were fucking children, like we don't know what we're doing, like we haven't been doing a podcast for 10 years. Am I stuttering yet? Game test play. It was demeaning. It was ugly. And the worst part about that, this individual advertised on our podcast, the podcasters who can't speak or have good judgment, you chose to advertise on the CU podcast several years ago with your little channel where you just play, I guess, a DJ mix of, of obscure uh, video game music. And I gave you a good deal. We communicated via email, and you seemed okay at the time. So I don't understand why you would hit back at us. Is it a jealousy thing? Did our ad not do well for you? Either way, it Are was you just good. an asshole? Could be that. I'm going to go with that. But it was, when I saw that, I was like, is this the same guy? Assholes this- make fun of how someone speaks. I couldn't, I was like, is this the same guy who had the balls? The My email records were lost from a certain point when my GoDaddy... Uh, uh, the servers transferred, so I couldn't find the email, but I searched and I found the video. And I'm like, this was the same individual that advertised with us. Very interesting. And then they had the best line of that, Ian, where he made the bet, which I put in the video. I will bet you, Pat, that the Amica will sell a million units in the first year. And he says, and I've done some research on that, and it's going to be a close call. And what research did you do, Game Test Play? I would love to see the trade papers you read or the market research that Tommy Tallarico pretended to do for you to make that decision. I'd love for you to do a response video. I mean, look look me in the eye and, and, and talk about how I talk, you piece of shit. Um, but you won't because you're a coward and you have magically disappeared. Yeah. And you owe Pat $200 because yeah. you ran your big fucking mouth. Well, I guess you could always say, well, it never came out. So in his defense, but it was just a really weird. We're going to go through a theme here where all these people were either directly aligned with Tommy Tallarico or at least were influenced enough to come after us personally. You can, uh, and also, you can say that you don't like uh, you can say that you like the Amico and come after us. But it was weird how all of these people went immediately to below the belt personal insults. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, because they have no love in their life. <laughs> 
Next is Essex Retro Gamer. And Essex Retro Gamer uh, is associated, I think he, him and good old Smash JT, which, which we'll get to later on, they know each other, which is also a theme of this. They all, all these people pretty much know each other. Like, for example, Smash JT did a video with Brett Weiss, which we'll get to. They all, they all run with the same circles with Tommy. So it shows you how interconnected this little group was. So Essex uh, Retro Gamer did this extremely condescending video. You said Tommy is more knows more about business than Pat. He's more successful. Look at net worth, for example. First off, how? First of all, you 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 don't know my net worth. You don't see unless I show you my tax returns and ship them over, or you have access to my bank accounts. You have no idea what my net worth is. Second of all. You don't know what Tommy's net worth is because that is obfuscated by all the shit going on in his life, the fact that he's been sued, the fact that he's had $100,000 taken from him. These are children. These are children operating on a child's understanding of being rich. Tommy has lots of stuff. Therefore, Tommy is rich. And he's successful because of that. That's what they're saying. What's interesting about Essex Retro Gamer is that uh, they came at me also in a tool of comments. Yes, he's, he's, he's a tool across the pond. He came at me once in the comments saying the same thing. And the reason I, I blocked him was he, he brought in about the business shit. I don't care if you say I'm wrong about the Amico, whatever. Yeah. He brought up this weird shit about not knowing about anything about business. But Essex Retro Gamer did an interview with Tommy before he started attacking me. It's on his channel. Sure. He did an interview. You got starry-eyed Essex Retro Gamer. Oh, Tommy's talking to me. I feel like a big man now. I feel important. And you did his dirty work, and now you look stupid. Now you're immortalized in my video, and you're immortalized on the podcast because of that. Bad judgment. Worry about your own net worth and not mine, asshole. Bringing up my fucking net worth. Uh, Next is probably the one that did not throw as many personal attacks, but as many passive-aggressive digs you could possibly imagine yes. without saying our names. Brett Weiss is the, Brett, I'm just going to say Brett Weiss is the king of passive-aggressiveness. Uh, as, as the Amico stuff went on and as things happened behind the scenes with the NES guidebook, uh, it was clear that there was a correlation to him suddenly glomming on to the Amico. Uh, it was like immediately after uh, we were, you know, Skeptical. Skeptical, like, it. in 2018 to 2019, yes. before people really started hitting at us? Yeah. And uh, what was funny was, I remember he did a Playdate video, being like, oh, I don't know about this, like, after we got excited about it. Oh, like, really? Like, so trying, we were to, like, trying to flip, you know, that shit, trying to flip the shit on us. We weren't anti-Amico to be jerks, we were anti-Amico because it was a bad fucking idea, and here we are, and it's still a bad fucking <laughs> idea that hasn't come out. Not just a bad idea, people are out tons of money investing, and people are not getting their pre-order money. Have a critical bone in your body. So, so uh, I gotta do a little story time quick about wh- why uh, Brett has animosity towards me in general. So Brett was a contributor to the first version of the NES guidebook, and the second. This one. I paid Brett up front for 60 reviews. It's structured. I pay all my writers. Brett, maybe you should. But I pay the writers up front for the work, especially in the NES book. I had no idea if I would oh, sell Oh, Brett doesn't pay? That's great. Uh, I have no idea if the book would sell 100, 500, 1,000. I took the, a risk on the first book. So I paid everyone up front. Brett actually got paid more money than the other uh, reviewers. He wouldn't come down. That's fine. You're allowed to do that. His writing, some of it was repurposed from, I think he used to write on a website and from maybe from his other books. So these are supposed to be reviews. I was sorry. These are reviews. This book has reviews in them. These aren't descriptions. 
The only book where it's a full library of reviews. So the book comes out. Uh, we're looking at reviews. Even before that, the, the question came up between me and then Ian and a couple others looking at some of Brett's writing. We weren't sure he played through all the games he actually quote-unquote reviewed. And I didn't have the choice. I was in a pickle at the time to get uh, extra writing in the book. But for example... At the very least, uh, they could have been a lot better. But for example, I paid Brett for all six Mega Man reviews. Paid him for all six. Only two of them showed up in the book, five and six. I was not comfortable with the quality of writing. And so I had someone else, uh, Ashton, who edited the second book. She rewrote three. And I did. I took one of the team. I actually wrote Mega Man 4 review. I gave it four stars. So there were other questionable things in there as well before the book came out where, again, I paid for the writing, but Magic Johnson's Fast Break, terrible game. Brett gave it three stars. I'm looking at this review. I'm like, did he play this game? I played it. I reviewed it. It's my review in the book. It's a one-star game. Describing uh, a sports game and giving it a middle three stars seems like a pretty goddamn... <laughs> that seems like they're like, oh, it's a sports game. I'll give it three stars. Yeah. Did you play the fucking game? Like, we're not off by a half star, even star. This is... Like, double dribbles like a three-star area game. Three, three and a half star. Magic Johnson's is not. It is bad. And there were other reviews like that that were weird. The Adventures of Rad Gravity come to mind, where he wrote the review, and it was just missing things like describing different types of weapons or items you need to progress in the game. Half of that review was mine. I had to go back and play the game, Ian, for a couple hours and rewrite the review and still gave him credit. But these are the issues we constantly saw. So for the third revision, since the second print run had to come out right after the first because it was sold out, Ian rewrote like Gunnack and a few, we had a few others of his written. By the third print run, though, I was like, I don't trust these reviews. We're rewriting all of them. Brett found out. He got a bug up his ass about it. He put out a video where it was wishy-washy, where he thought I took his uh, writing out because of royalties. There was no royalties. You were fully paid. You should have let people know that in your video, Brett, and I took your writing out because it was mediocre and not not up to the standards of the other writers in the book, like Ian and myself and Ashton and everyone else that worked on it. That's why, Brett, your writing was taken out. And you made it a thing by going public about it. And I guarantee you, Tommy pushed you. I guarantee you had a conversation with Tommy, your friend, and he pushed you to make that video. Guarantee it. Moving on. He doesn't deserve this much time. Big retro show. This is one I don't know. Big retro show. He was the guy who said that Tommy was living that fat life, yes. and that's all I know about big, him. So big retro show, I, I confuse it with Essex Retro Game. Big retro show, I think, uh, knows Smash JT. God, simping for fake rich people is just such a pathetic trait. Yes. So, so anyway, so real quick about Brett, the one last thing I'll say, because he did respond to it. Because someone said, hey, have you seen you in the video? And Brett said, doing great. Apparently, I'm an evil moron if I was excited about a retro console that unfortunately never came out. Never called you an evil moron, Brett. I think you're an opportunistic fool that thought you were friends with someone who really used you. That's all. I don't know if that's better or worse, but that's it. Um, next is uh, Big Retro Show. Big Retro Show uh, said I... I I took his comments out of context that he was never an Amico shill. And if you're not an Amico shill, why are you so up Tommy's ass about how much money he has? And why I'm he literally said I'm jealous of Tommy's money and his I guess his lifestyle. You know, the guy that has a has a Lamborghini kit and fakes having a real Lamborghini in the past. You know, the guy that is being sued for uh, over $100,000 because he's, he's so dumb. A guy who tried to smuggle $100,000. Yes. And you're all still defending this guy. 
a guy that just had to auction off all his comic book stuff and all his Spider-Man shit and his game collection stuff because he's doing so great. Big retro uh, gamer. Big retro show. I don't even know his generic name. Sorry, big retro show. I will look at that wrong again. So he literally doubled down in comments on YouTube about this, that I am jealous uh, about this, that it's all about Tommy's fame. And that's what it is. It's ridiculous. Uh, who the fuck wants Tommy's fame right now, especially? I could on understand we have people that infamy, people that simp for rich people. Like I wouldn't do it, but at least on some level, hey, Elon Musk running a car company, rockets, richest guy in the world. Okay, I wouldn't do it, but at least there has some basis in some reality. Okay, Tommy Tallarico, <laughs> Tommy, it's Tommy Tallarico. Come on. Come on, big retro show. And then we said we're a couple of nerds. You can't aim your sights higher than that. Like. Come on, dude. Come on. And he said, like, we're both nerds in a basement recording. Like, we're just in a... This isn't a basement, first of all. I don't know why people think that's a dig. I wish I had a Why fucking, are you even responding to that? But it's like, I wish I had a basement. I, 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 I wish I had a basement. Stay focused on the importance. I wish I had a basement. Oh, any, everyone really, in San Diego wishes they had a basement. We don't have basements basement. here. It sucks. It's, it's free space. Uh, so that that's all when it comes to that. It's just like, dude, get over yourself. And then someone left a comment uh, about that. Oh, by, yeah, I'm, I'm. Oh, yeah, I'm Mad Jelly. That's his quote. I'm Mad Jelly of Tommy. Mad Jelly, like it's 2000 uh, over here. It's 99. Um, and then someone left a quote. The same person that approached Ian. Not a quote. A comment. A comment. <clears throat> Do you see the comment? Did I, did I upload that for you? Uh, I read it, but I don't know if you uh, left it for me. No, it's uh, it's under. Is it under response here? Uh, I, I don't know if I uploaded it. So the person that approached Ian at PRGE last year. Um, By the way, they approached me at PRGE before the H-Bomber guy video, before your Amico video. We already talked about it. I don't care. He was the one who said Tommy was a great guy and that we needed to make up. Uh-huh. Uh, and then we talked about that a little on the podcast. And he was like, whatever. He got a little responsive. What, what did he say, though, most recently? Um, he basically said that someone's going to find us in a dark alley. Like like physical threats. Um, yeah, I don't think he was physically threatening, but he but, was implying that someone is going to hurt us because of who we are. Yes. You're a fucking idiot. Uh, I mean, I, all I have to say about you, man, is I, I really tried to give you the benefit of the doubt. But now after this H-Bomber guy video and all this stuff's come out and you're still white knighting for Tommy. Impressive. And Essex, uh, uh, God, they're the same people, kind of, just across the pond. Big Retro Show responded saying, yeah, they won't say anything to anyone's face. He literally said it the, to that guy's face. The fucking dude who he made the comment was making the comment because he got into it with me at Portland. Face uh, to face. And, I have uh, no problem saying anything to someone's face. Big Retro Show, if you <clears throat> want to discuss Tommy Tallarico's fat life with me in person, I am not hard to find. I think we're in the same state, buddy. I am. This is not an act. Big retro show. It's not an act. These people are almost too pathetic to go after because like, I can't believe I people thought Ian. I had big YouTubers. People like Carl Jobs thought I put these people up to it. They thought they were fake. Those videos, they did. They did not. They thought they were parodies. They did not. Well, think you watch some of this and you can't believe it. Can't I believe mean. it. Now we come to our favorite longtime pal, Rich. Review Tech USA. So Rich, uh, you know, he takes shots at us. He makes gay jokes about us in his response videos to us. I don't usually comment on that because that's all he has. He, he's not talented. That's all he has to offer. And 
Uh, his response to this was to go on a live stream with his uh, sidekick, Jay, that I used to know and Ian used to know. He's just uh, he's just a low life. But to to I, I don't want to play the clip, but to make sex jokes. Oh, I feel uh, like you should play the clip. You want me to play the clip? I feel like you should play the clip. I feel like everyone um, should see what a bunch of fucking punk ass bitches these people are. OK, do I have this in the folder? Do I have this in the folder? Yes, I do. This is what the, this was one of the highlights. What they played. It's a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. It's two minutes. What? Who uh, the, how did, geez, do you, do you think these two fucked after they filmed the skit? They did, and they they, they probably said, "Oh, that script was brilliant too." A massive YouTuber just texted me saying, "Rest in peace, RGT." <laughs> what dumb thing did you invest in? By the way, he just made a joke about someone was in the hospital. RGT uh, was went in the hospital with the heart guy, and this fucking low life just made a joke about it. I, well, I didn't pick it up the first time. In television. You invested in television? In in television, Frank. Get it What's right. What's wrong with you? Oh, it's it's fucking, you don't get the obvious joke. It's a fucking joke, you hack. It's a great joke. I'm gonna By the way, they already asked if you two fucked, but we're gonna it's gonna get better. Before I was Imagine Frank made ASMR videos. God. Imagine Frank fucking... fucks. Guaranteed it's hard. Born. I got a really cheap one at Best Buy for two hundred dollars. Pause it, pause it, pause it. Let's just look at Frank's background, okay? There's a fish that looks like it got shot. Look closely. Hysterical. Look at it. It looks like a fish that got shot or stabbed. There's a bloody handprint. Take two fucking steps back for a minute and realize you're insulting children's art. That's his daughter's handprint. You have nothing going on in your fucking life. Leave it paused. I'm angry. And the fucked up thing about you, Hooft, and Rich, and I didn't ever say this to you, I know your fragile souls. I've been in DMs with you two. I know how you two feel in real, inside and in real life, and you're fucking worthless. You know why? Because you won't do anything to fix yourself or fix your life and make yourselves happy. All this fucking whining and boo-hoo-hoo in my DMs and me trying to help you guys four or five years ago, you're pieces of shit. You've always been shit because you don't want to improve. You want nothing better for yourself. You wake up in the morning and you're angry, right? You're angry because no one likes you. So your answer is to just keep doubling down on being an awful, miserable person because that's easier than trying to do anything for yourselves. Guys, I'm not saying this to be mean. I mean this. You really need to think about what you're fucking doing before you end up alone for the rest of your lives with no one to care for you, no one to help you, and no one to fucking love you when you get old. That's the route you're on. And right now, it's led you to making fun of children's art and talking about, well, we're going to get to it, blood being everywhere because of Pat fucking someone in the ass. A person you don't know. You don't know if this is a friend or family. You don't know what this is. You're bringing someone else into it because you have nothing to fucking say. You have nothing important to say. You have no response to us calling you out for being shitty fucking humans. So this is what you devolve into. You've got nothing else. This is your life. Good job, guys. Congrats. And behind his head, there's a, like a, uh, a lizard for some reason. Anyways. Listen. I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that handprint's from Pat when he was pounding him in the ass. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a fucking. He was, just, he was just like hand jobs all around. Yeah, it's it's a. Uh, That's sentiment. good, Rich. 
That's really is that good. all you can say is hand jobs, blow jobs, and butt fucking rich? Is that all you got? Yes. Are you lonely, um, Rich? Are you sad? Do you cry a lot at night? Well, you know what's interesting about that that stream they did? Huh. They didn't watch all of it. They didn't watch the lampooning I did when Rich interviewed Tommy. I wonder why, Rich, you didn't play that back. I wonder why. Because it hurt him in his deep, sensitive fucking feelings. Well, no, because there's no response to that. Right. The, the sound clips I play on here that we made fun of for so long, I know every time we play one of these clips, Rich just like, ah, because he realized he was used by Tommy to peddle his bullshit to Rich's audience. Not once, uh, not twice, I think maybe three times. So the timeline of that was that Ian went after Rich, and I did too, for that interview that happened. That was March of 2020. People know the details. A, a month later, he did a follow-up that was worse because he allowed Tommy to say stuff like, They're racists. They're literally gaming racists. And say stuff like, If you're in the games with, with blood and violence and sexual content and, and kids in sexual compromising positions and rape, uh, on the Nintendo, if, if 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 that's what you want, then buy a Switch. So when when you do things like that, Rich, and you don't push back, you make yourself look like an asshole, and that you don't have respect not only for your audience but for yourself because you have to do a decent job, and you can't let someone use you for an infomercial, which is what happens. That's what happens, and it's just sad. And so he will never be able to address those things. So he makes jokes about uh, gay sex. And he goes after uh, people's friends and things like that. You're a fucking loser. Like, there's no other better way to describe it. You two are fucking losers. And, and no, Jay, I didn't stop talking to you because uh, uh, you know, Ian didn't stop talking because I told him to. I think he has I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't fucking block you. You blocked me. Some shit went south. And I, I had uh, I, I had, you know, chatted back and forth. With you, and one day I was blocked. So I don't know, man. All right. And, and, and last but not least uh, is, is Smash JT, Jeff Tarzia. Jeff um, always had a hard-on for us. He's, gone, he's done about eight to ten videos about us. See you, Fraudcast. Pat, is a, Pat the Aeneas Punk is a fraud. I think he took that one down. And, and Jeff is uh, a person that always was clout-chasing for attention. One is people that think, I'll attack someone, we'll make up, and then we'll yes. work together. This is what I was talking about earlier when I said these people live in a fantasy land. Yeah, They're ambulance chasers. They're ambulance chasers. Uh, and Jeff especially. You, you, you sniff out... The fucking drama, wherever you can find it, in a dump. You rush after it. You put out a video without thinking. You say a bunch of bullshit. Uh, that person gets mad. I've seen, I've seen this happen many times. Uh, you two make videos about each other. That brings your views up. Then you guys shake hands, and you, you, that, that, there you go. Fair play, right? Right. That's no. how you think it is. Except, Jeff, because I know you really are talking lately about wanting an apology. It's barely been a year since you made fun of me for being sick and said I was a scam artist. Forgive me for being sick with no money in America. That never happens, right? Uh, and I didn't put out that GoFundMe on my own. I did it because people kept asking. You think you're going to get a forgive? Uh, you're going to get forgiveness? That you're, you're going to apologize? For that? Well, first of all, he never really apologized. No, he never apologized uh, for that. He says he, he's tried to apologize for you. 
But but no. Jeff, there's no coming back from that. That's not a thing that people just fucking sweep under no. the rug. There are real repercussions for the fucking bullshit you say. Yeah. And again, like I said about Rich and uh, uh, Hooft, um, you're going to find yourself very fucking alone, Jeff. Because you're burning all your fucking bridges. So there is no rebuilding no. when you're a piece of shit like you are. This stank will, will follow Jeff to the ends of the earth, at least on YouTube. There's no re- rehab from this. So his response to my Miko video was filled with lies, was filled with like, oh, it was entertaining, but I was really, I saw through Tommy's bullshit. No, you didn't, Jeff. You absolutely didn't. Uh, so either you're lying or you're stupid. That's one or the other when it comes to this. So, uh, for example, he said in his video, he thought Tommy and him could have a mutually beneficial relationship and would help his channel. This is a person he, mutually beneficial. No, it was it uh, was it would have been one way beneficial. He said, Amico gave my channel attention, and that's one of the reasons I ran with it. You ran with something that you originally, Jeff, on your channel said was a bad idea. His first video echoed ours. Yeah, I know. We had similar thoughts, Jeff. We both saw, thought this was a bad idea. But what happened? You he realized saw, he could turn it into us versus them. That was part of it. But he, you thought Tommy and you could be like partners on the path to fame. How misguided is that? Tom, the Tommy Tallarico just, oh, g- g- the, star, the gaze of Tommy's face just transforms people into mush. And I can't think anymore. So you, you lied in your video saying you were not on board with crowdfunding. But crowdfunding was the very first thing they did, Jeff. In early 2020, with the Founders Editions, that was crowdfunding. They they got people's money for pre-orders. That was the very fucking first thing that happened, Jeff. The very first thing. So that's a lie. Um, you left a comment on the last uh, crowdfunding attempt, Start Engine. That's gone. But you left a comment, Jeff, after you knew this was scammy as fuck, after you knew this was turning south, you left a comment saying, I believe in the team. I'm paraphrasing. This was your this was your Republic uh, uh, quote, which was probably similar. I invested because I believe in the team at Intellivision. I have personally met with the creators and played this console hands on. I can confirm there is a potential very bright future for this device. Great couch co-op games with a truly unique controller makes for a very special gaming experience. So I don't know if that was the exact quote on Start Engine, but I remember seeing you put down a comment there. And that was after we had covered the SEC bullshit, after we knew this company was dead in the water, and you were still doing Tommy Tallarico's bidding as an accomplice to a scam attack that point you knew it was going down and so your comment could have contributed to someone putting in more money and thank god start engine shut down that campaign but that's the type of person you are you will triple and quadruple down and not admit that you are a sorry ass human being you it's never only until there's clearly yes. no return that you suddenly flip and be like well i knew there was never an apology. What you said in your videos that I know about, first of all, I have you blocked on Twitter. You said in your one, you, you said in your uh, Twitter comment, what the hell did he fucking say in this? That was ridiculous. He said, uh, Pat, you have me blocked. I've made many ignored attempts to reach you. I never got an email. I don't have you blocked on Facebook. I'm not blocked. Discord, you can try to hit me up. I don't know what the fuck you're talking Send me a fucking snail mail letter. I don't know what you're talking about, Jeff. Meanwhile, uh, I, I, I rarely block people. I do have all these people blocked at this point because they don't need to know what I'm up to. But then he lies and says, I made videos apologizing for how, no. I, how I handled the intelligent Amico. I don't give a shit, Jeff, how you handled the Amico. I care about shit you said about me and Ian. 
An apology is, I apologize. I'm going to talk to you like you're four. I apologize, Pat and Ian, for saying these things about you, that you're a fraud, that you faked your medical issues. So that, desperate for fucking attention, you really but, went after someone's medical issues. But that's an apology, Jeff. An apology isn't Pat and Ian were right about the amigo. That's not an apology. That's just saying we were right about a situation. That's stating facts. You are a child, Jeff. You have to be accountable at some point for your behavior. So, yeah, he wants to make amends. And so this is probably the most disgusting thing I've ever seen because he put out another tweet when he was nearby with his wife saying, hey, Pat, let's meet up for a fucking beer. You dragged your wife into this. You took a selfie with her and tweeted it. It's despicable because, first of all, you don't know if I'm a psychopath or if I'm going to confront you with your wife there. Second of all, I doubt you told your wife when you were taking that selfie, hey, I'm going to tweet at a guy that has a very reasonable, a very good reason to be upset at me for how he's talked about him and his friend. Yeah, way to use her as a shield, you fucking coward. It's just ridiculous. So it's These like, people are insane. Do you, like, do you not know how social interaction works and how when you say things? No, they clearly don't. They think it's all TV. It's all a game. It's all a game. It's not a game, Jeff. You don't come back from this. There's no happy ending. You don't get to write your own little happy ending when it comes to this. You were an accomplice to a scam with Tommy Tallarico, and you thought you'd get, you'd get rich on it. You lost money. I don't even blame you for throwing in $10,000. You think you're going to make your money back? That's fine. But you doubled, tripled down. You did his bidding. You did multiple attack videos on us, and you are – I actually pity you in a way. Because I can't picture a reasonable adult acting that way. I oh, I can't. don't. They they deserve all the loneliness and misery that's coming to them at this point. Jesus they don't. Christ. They don't want to fix themselves. They don't want to. They don't want. Like I said, they don't want to make themselves better. They don't want to be happy people. They'd rather just be uh, miserable and talk about fucking drama all day because it makes them feel better about their lonely, meaningless existence. You literally said you made multiple videos apologizing to Patnine. You did not. You never said, I'm sorry. And you know what? You know what someone has said about that, too? It's not about making a, a personal, you know, making a video because we don't might even find out about it. How about you personally reach out when Gamester 81? Yeah, did, making a video that you're uh, going to put ads on, when, you know, and monetize for drama and clicks. Eat shit. When Gamester 81 made his video attacking me after the Coleco Chameleon thing blew up, he at least was a man and personally called me and reached out and spoke to me and we hashed it out. The video was a terrible idea, but at least he actually apologized. That's what an apology is, Jeff. That's what people do when they realize they made mistakes. This isn't like, I'm going to see you. We're going to have a laugh about it. He's going to see you and have a laugh about it. That's not how these things work with, with real adults. But again, I, I don't think he's actually sorry, and I don't think it's he really considers it a mistake. This is part of the MO. This is part of the fucking drama YouTuber circuit. They try to yep. pull you in. Absolutely. And so maybe that's where we end it. This is, this is who these people are, and um, it's a shame that you let Tommy Tallarico take advantage of you. It's a shame that a lot of times you did his bidding. It's, it's just a shame that you all had to go below the belt and get yes. fucking ridiculous because you couldn't handle an opinion about a fucking video game console. Yeah. That's all. I didn't even call anyone a sewer. All right, let's move on. We got a Patreon poll, Ian. Patreon.com slash CU Podcast. You go, you look at if you want to support us, and we offer you things like the full video podcast early. Uh, the full video podcast. You get uh, uh, you get the uh, bonus bit. The bonus. Bonus bit. Talk about you Goonies get, Pinball this Yeah, we did. This you get writings. Uh, and 
uh, these poll topics. Pin club, probably missing something. Oh, we, we I shipped hangouts. Out, I shipped out six pins this week, so the pin club's alive. Uh, in second place, best games that had unique controls, forty-two percent. First place, what would game collecting look like if games were unable to still be played? I'm guessing from like the eighties and nineties, two thousands. Fifty-eight percent, Ian. How would the retro game collecting world and scene look if we, for example, couldn't pop in and access Super Mario Brothers 2 when we put it in our NES anymore? Um, I, I think it would look extraordinarily different, obviously. We wouldn't have anyone, you know, collecting at the uh you know the rate that they do. I let's just say we're talking like 16-bit on down or something like that. Uh-huh. Um I think what would happen is you would you you have to look at other collecting markets where you can't play the media anymore and how it doesn't matter how unique of a media it is the 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 harder it is to to play the 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 less it's worth and the less interest people have in it uh for instance those old like rca video discs what were they called the the ones that are literally like vinyl records that are video discs yes video discs that (laughs) are literally like vinyl records inside of sleep yeah uh and, and like there's no way to play those anymore i don't think there's any working players out uh, there you could probably find them but like i there's probably that wasn't popular to begin with so that's gonna be rough. right so like i have a, a tron one i think i have part one of the tron video uh I, I found a tron yeah, one Did I you, know, you gave that's from okay. you i was gonna say that is from you um so i like it and you know it, it's neat but i think it's not worth much and no one's going out there collecting tons and tons of video discs. I like that one because I like Tron and I like the art on it. Mm-hmm. So I think if video games weren't able to be played, uh, a couple things. One, I do think boxed versions would be more popular. Okay. Because at this point, you, if it's not playable, you're, you're going to look back on it. And if you're going to buy something, you're going to buy it for the memory. Sure. You're going to buy it for the memory. You're going to buy it because you remember the cover and something like that. And you're not going to be able to play the game. So I think having the manual in the box with screenshots on the back would be of more interest to people than it is now. Because now you can buy the cartridge and throw the cartridge in and, you know, all your memories are right there. If you can't play to get the memories, I think the feelies would be more interesting. And I'm not saying it would be expensive. I'm just saying if people wanted to buy a video game and we couldn't play them, it might be more common for them to look for a complete copy sure i'm looking more at the how would it have grown because a lot of the, the a lot of retro game collecting is discoverability and being like hey what's this game pop it in and see what it's like hey what is this tell me about it if you couldn't somehow access these games if like say there were nes servers that went offline like epics shut up on real servers we'll get that in if like i couldn't play i don't know a random game danny sullivan's in the heat people would not know about it like it's 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 so dumb to say but like you would not get the word out about these games if you could no longer play them it would be like hey remember that game we used to play back in 91 with these little race cars and i think you could run over the pit crew but it's like oh maybe i don't know if there's no way to keep the, the games being played you can't keep the memories alive and then pass them down so like you would lose collectability like it would be it would stop with that game generation like that would be it you couldn't tr- even try to transfer to someone younger because they have no way of accessing it to play it. Then what do you be collecting? You're, you're collecting gray shells at that point. You know right. what I mean? It doesn't make any sense anymore. Yeah. Uh, also, the fact that like if you can't play the games, then yes, not everyone's playing. If someone has five thousand games in their collection, they're not going to be playing them all. 
but, but the idea the that you to. can, yes. like, would I have purchased these games if I could not play them? No. Because if you can't play uh, them, you know what they turn into, Patrick? What? Sorry. Keepsakes. <laughs> they turn into keepsakes. Get your keepsakes at ultimatecanal.com. Um, yes, they're like weird, generic keepsakes. And you would say to someone, it would be like collecting, God, I, I'm not going to make fun of people who collect like bottle caps or something, but it's like collecting something that had a use at one point, but no longer anymore. Like you can't physically do anything with it anymore. Like a stamp? And, that's true. Or a card? No, but, but, I mean, but stamps, stamps are stamps cool are because they, but they, they, they look neat. They have art on them. Yes, but you can say, I guess you can say, well, Pat, these games will have art yeah. in them. But I'm like, to your point, though, couldn't you collect just like a, a photo of the art or get a poster? No, not as the, much fun because you got to hunt for these things. And I think sure. that, that's part of it. That's part of it. By the way, I have no problems with stamp collecting. If I was, you know, it's neat. I found a stamp book at the, at the swap meet that had a bunch of stamps from around the world. I, I got to find it. That's neat. Might have been lost in the move. It might be lost in someone's warehouse. Stamps it, are cool. No, stamps are cool. I think my father used to collect coins. But coins have a use. They did. They're, they're, a lot of people co- in the 80s did. My grandfather. I mean, we've uh, talked about that, too. But my grandfather and my uncle did. Coins and stamps are also historical, though. They were created for a reason at a point in time. There's a story behind them. I know. Uh, I'm just I'm, saying. I'm but can you say games are historical? To the point in time, yes, you can. I think you can say sure. that you can make you that sure point can. if you couldn't play them. But like again, you, at this point, you're taking a leap of faith of what the hell are on these games, right? Like, what is in that clamshell? What is Quack Shot? Like what? Like what? Is, what is in that? It looks like a duck. I can see some screenshots, but how does this thing actually work? Like how does it play? Is it fun? And a lot of game collecting outside of the NES. NES is the weird one where. The, the the availability slash rarity sometimes trumps like all reason for if I like stadium events, sure. For example, um, but a lot of other consoles there is a correlation, especially the newer ones that are like a generation or two old, where if if the game is good in a popular game, it'll be worth more. Sure. So if you couldn't play the games, you you would not have that sort of like that built in. Well. There's usefulness to this still. It's actually fun to play. So the more use you get out of it, the w- more it's worth, kind of. Right. That actually applies to a lot of game collecting in some way. Not all of it, but to some, to a chunk of it, it does. Right. Okay. You know what I mean? For, like, for a lot of consoles, that's that's the way, for example. Like, for example, uh, let me bring up one, like, well, Saturn, a lot of games are hard to find, but like a Madden game will never be as much money as a, no. an, another game on the console, Mm-mm. even though it's, it's, it's easy to find. It's like... Uh, People aren't interested, they're not going to play it. If they replay the game, there you go. Snatcher. Snatcher is a really good game, right? It's hard to find. It scratches both. It's, I'm sure there's other Sega CD games that are probably just as hard to find. They're not worth nearly what Snatcher is because people actually want to play that thing. That's the only, oh, only, yeah. only way to play it legally, North American version that came out. Yep. Was that because the PC version was just Japan. That's right. Yeah. There's no, P- I mean, there might be a translation for it, but I mean, you can't. I mean, for the it original, never came out here. Yeah, for yeah. the original one. So that's how it is. Uh, if you couldn't play replay these games, I don't know if you would have ever gotten a retro game kick to begin with, because like going back to uh, YouTube, hidden things, gems would have remained hidden for sure. Absolutely. Um, how do you discover? Uh, Rue wouldn't have a series. <laughs> Rue wouldn't have a series. Sure. Rue couldn't play all these JRPGs that cause, you know that was part of a series. Shout out to Rue. That's right. Sixteen bit gems. I forgot the name of it for a minute. He there. was the OG of the gems. No, I know. I just yeah. <laughs> but um. Only 16-bit, that's right. Did they ever do 8-bit? I forget. But I, I think if they weren't replayable, I think if you were just – if you literally – if it literally was like, Ian, you can play new games that come out for like 10 years and that's it. I, I don't know 
if you would have God, would you be repeating the same mistakes? Would there be would you would you even progress? Would you remake the same games every ten years? You know what I mean? Like yeah. th- the games being tied to the console is one thing, but then like especially with the new era with indie games, there's they've drawn inspiration from the old games, right? They've gone back, done like 16-bit style graphics. They've done like the platformers came back with indie games for sure. Would that have ever have even happened if like you don't have the inspiration to draw from? You know what I mean? Like, would you be stuck in the current? Yeah, if mode you don't of- have someone who, who who's sitting there one night knocking around on an old game, you know they wouldn't, you know, a sequel or a, you know a riff or an iteration on it. Sure. It wouldn't happen. So like we, we we probably wouldn't have games like for instance like Panzer Paladin or something like that. Sure, you know that take direct inspiration. It's not because people aren't smart enough to think of these things, but like the inspiration for that stuff comes directly from playing an old game and being like i like this jump this jump feels good i want to do this i like this weapon you know uh mechanic and mega man i'm gonna use that like that's just not gonna be on the tip of your tongue or you know fresh in your mind if you don't have these to actually sit down and touch and interact with yeah games like um like super meat boy that aesthetic wasn't the popular game aesthetic at a time that that aesthetic was like 15 years old you know what i mean so like that's what i mean like you you draw this inspiration that would be impossible if you can't play this stuff and it would be like a weird world. Obviously, it's not a world we want to live in. But I don't know. Any, any final thoughts? I think that's a, it's an interesting thought. I wouldn't have all this junk. That's for sure. Sure. No, I would, again, I'd have the games I grew up with. Right. Some weird ones. Like I said, you, you'd yeah. remember stuff and you'd buy based on the memory and maybe put a couple games on your shelf. But that's about it. Sure. This portion of the CU podcast is brought to you by Rex MD. Guys, you sometimes lack confidence in the bedroom. We've all had those nights where we get too nervous or maybe you had too much to drink. There's nothing worse than not being able to perform when the moment arises. Hey, it's happened to all of us. Have no fear. Rex MD is here spreading cheer even when you've had a few too many beers. Rex MD is FDA approved and the most trusted leader in men's telehealth. They have sponsored this episode to help you always be prepared. Rex MD has made it simple, easy, and cost effective to help all the men out there last longer and feel more confident in the bedroom. Rex MD makes getting generic and branded Viagra or Cialis easy. Everything's online, even the prescription, and they deliver it discreetly to your door. There's no waiting rooms, no embarrassing trips to the doctor, and no insurance or co-pays. Take advantage of their best deal they've ever offered and save up to 90% off and only pay $2 per dosage with our exclusive link. Go to rexmd.com slash podcast for this limited time deal. RexMD has made the whole process super simple. There's no need to jump through a bunch of hoops to set up an embarrassing doctor's appointment to get your medication. It's just a few clicks of a button. You can talk to a medical professional, create a personalized plan, and get the product discreetly shipped straight to your door within two days. RexMD doesn't just have ED medication. RexMD is other other medications help sexual health, hair growth, pain relief, and sleep. Did you know Viagra can cost around 90 a pill? But RexMD has generic Viagra that's just as effective for as low as $2 a pill. Unlike other brands, RexMD is FDA-approved, clinically tested, and a U.S.-licensed pharmacy. You'll be getting FDA-approved ED treatments at 90% cheaper than other doctors. It's fast, simple, and cheap. You can access your U.S.-licensed RexMD physician anytime you need afterwards. RexMD has already helped over 300,000 guys gain confidence quickly and conveniently, and they're here to help you. Act now to take advantage of their best deal yet by heading to rexmd.com slash podcast. Our exclusive deal will save you up to 90% off where you only pay $2 per dosage. Starter packs of generic Viagra or Cialis are now available for our listeners to get started. That's rexmd.com slash podcast for up to 90% off. Give the gift of pleasure this year with RexMD. 
We got uh, we got voicemails. Go to anchor.fm slash the CU podcast. You go, you leave a voicemail. You keep it short and sweet, and I'll and I'll love you forever because that's what I uh, that's what I like here. And we go to the first one here. This is John from South Carolina. Ian, on the first episode of the podcast, you mentioned Super Princess Peach was one of your favorite games. You did. The one on the DS. I really like it, but I wouldn't call it one of my favorites. Is it still one of your favorites? Question for both of you. What are some of your favorite 3DS games? Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, I don't know if I would still call it that. I, I really, really, really enjoy it. And I think at the time I had just finished another replay of it. So I was... I was high on it. I, I, I love the look of the game. I love the sprite work. I obviously like the fact that Princess Peach was the main character. Um, and it's really good. And I'd recommend it to anyone. I know a lot of people think it's maybe too easy. Uh, but I think it's a really fun, like, relaxing game to play through. And for 3DS, uh, I think no series made the 3DS look better than the Etrian Odyssey series because everything worked so well together with that lower screen being the grid paper for the map and the top screen being the game. Hey, Pat. Hey, Ann. This is Max calling from Medicine, New Jersey. If you're listening to this, it's now the new year, so happy new year. Woo! I hope you guys enjoyed your holiday season, and I'm looking forward to the podcast this year. Thanks, guys. Well, well, oh, Max, uh, you, got oh, a, thank you. you got a couple more left for the regular ones, but thanks. I think you're allowed to say happy new year for all through January. That's my rule. Okay. Because I said it to someone like last week. I was like, am I allowed to say that? I'm like, yeah, why not? Hey, guys. It's Mike from Jersey. Jersey! Mike! Has there ever been a better peripheral name than Power Base Converter? No, I remember great. in school sitting down at the gearheads table and saying, oh, how was your guys' weekend? I had to change the power base converter in my Mega Drive. They still stuffed me in a locker. <laughs> Talk to you later. Oh, I think it's a great name, and I've actually said as such, like, at Luna when we get them in. I'm always like, power base converter is such a fucking cool name. It's a great name, but for marketing, it's terrible because you don't know what it does. That's sure. the problem. If they called it the... But it ma- sounds highly technological. Like, honestly, that I remember that because I remember I told you I had a Master System 2, but like, it would have made more sense to get the Genesis and then try to get that, whatever. It's not compatible with like, what, two games on the, on the Master System? Uh, next. Like one of the card games is not compatible. Hey, fellas, this is Rod from North Carolina again. Hey, Rod. One of my hobbies, aside from video games, is working with leather, and I would be super interested in hearing um, how two different leather companies got involved in computers and video games. It seems weird that it happened with two different leather companies, Connecticut Leather Company, Coleco, um, and Tandy, which is more, you know, in the computer realm. I was forgetting Tandy. It just seems weird that it happened twice, and I'm just wondering how it came to be that the company that I buy stamps from is also a company that used to make computers. So anything you got in that realm, you know, please enlighten me. I, I have no idea uh, how that happened. Well, these are old companies that started yeah. out in the early 1900s, and they diversify, they invest right. in other things. And they probably thought, oh, this is the new hotness. So like Coleco started with all the, uh, you know, the Pong clones, what yeah. they started with, and all, and they, and they had the little handheld game. So they, were, they got into electronics. So it's like, it makes sense. It's the new hotness. Let's put some money in. I'm sure they try to put their money in other stuff that didn't work out. Like when their companies are that yeah. old, you just you just try to do different things. Yeah, you're right. And I mean, yeah. when, at the point in time that Tandy and Coleco got into it, it was it. It, was, uh, it was huge. When did Tandy get into that stuff? Let me see. Like it was brand new. Tandy Leather still making stuff. 
Yeah. They're still making their leathers. I don't think Coleco's making leather stuff, but Tanny looks like they still are. Right. But anyways, yeah, I mean, it was brand, brand new. It was a, you know, a huge big thing. It's, not, it like, it's not like now where, you know, uh, you're not going to see a leather company get into video games now. It doesn't make any sense. But back then when it's brand new and it's taking off, any company could look at it and be like, well, maybe yeah. we should throw some money in this. Uh, on the Twitch streams I do, twitch.tv slash contra code, th- we came across this company that I looked up where Ian, this is what comes from like the 60s and 50s, and they might still be around. They made everything. They did sports goods. They did like washing machines. They did like all this stuff that had nothing to do with it. They just put their money into all this stuff, and hmm. they were known for this. Like there's companies that, that used to do that back before everything got super specialized. Uh, next, we did, Vox, we did the boxing one last week. Hey, guys. This is Alan from California. Hey, Alan. I just had a question about collecting on a budget. I collected a couple things, and the problem I keep encountering is not exactly knowing when to cut off. I always kind of have a certain amount I want to spend, okay. but then thing deals keep coming up, and it gets hard to limit myself. Buy more. So, soon. what are some suggestions, or maybe even guidelines, as to when is a good time to get something? Thanks. More, okay, I'm going to do the reverse. I'm going to go into financial pat mode. My the rule of thumb I've seen is that you should have at least something like three to six months of extra funds set aside in case something happens of your monthly expenses. Right. So if it costs you 5000 a month to live, food, you know, mortgage, whatever, insurance, everything, you should have fifteen to 30000 I like to go a little more conservative because how I am with that. I would say between six months and a year you should have backed up. If you're getting to the point where you think, hey, I don't know if I can spend this money, you probably shouldn't. The games will be around later. Right. Get out of debt first. Pay off your credit card debts. That shit kills you. Remember, uh, whatever deals you might get, you save 10, 15 bucks on a game, put that towards your credit card bills because you're paying 15% interest on that. Like That's how you got to think of this shit. Get rid of your debt first. Save up a little bit. And then you have your... I'm not saying don't buy anything at all, but don't worry about, hey, I got to buy this now. Like Don't get into that trap. I used to. When I went to the swap meet, I was not uh, doing great. I didn't have a ton of money saved up. I was going to swap meets. I was spending money left and right. I was a bad idea, but it was compulsive kind of at the time. Yeah, it's tough. I, I honestly don't Good know what deals. to say. I, 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 know. I went through it, too, and as I've gotten older, uh, my fear of fo- my, my FOMO has basically dissolved. Yes. yes it's I don't worry about missing out on shit anymore. And I wish I could tell you a way to ma- and it's made collecting a lot more fun for me because I do it at my own pace. I don't worry about when I see shit. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's any way to speed that up. But I think it comes it comes when you've matured in a hobby for a long time, I think. Sure. Hi, Pat. This is just a request to ask. Please, could you cover Red Letter Media's recent video on VHS grading? I think you and your audience will enjoy it. We did. We did, and it was fun. Hey, Pat and Ian. This is AJ from Madison, Wisconsin. Hard to believe that the weekly CU podcast is coming to an end. I can hardly imagine what it's going to be like not hearing your beautiful voices talk about retro gaming. Makes me feel sad like when they pulled Saturday morning cartoons (laughs) off a TV or the Bozo Show was canceled off a WGN. Before I start crying, that brings me to my question. Will you guys go back to what kicked off the CU podcast and do another NES marathon sometime soon? I sure hope so. 
Best of luck in the future, guys. Well, that did not kick off the podcast. That no. was just a, a random idea. The, the podcast started in 2013. The first marathon was 2010, so they were not connected I suggested all. Pat do a podcast because he was doing these weekly streams for like three hours where he was just showing stuff off. And I said, why don't we... Why don't we bring that together and make it a little more well tight? I was chewing your ear off at the store. That was well, that show. too. But I mean, I remember the thing was you had said that you were doing these three-hour streams, and I was They're like, pointless. Just, just yeah, just yeah. Good old give U- some structure. Good old UStream. Shout out to UStream. Used to push those first five or six marathons. They used to really promote it. Mm-hmm. UStream, you could have been a contender. You should have put the money in it for the gaming stuff. You were way ahead of Justin TV at that point. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is Sam Miller from Margaretsville, North Carolina, and I have a pinball question for Ian. Ahoy. So recently, our little barcade got what is essentially an emulator of pinball tables, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of cool because I got to play tables I hadn't played in over 20 years, but I'm also kind of weirded out by it because it's it's pinball on a TV screen. It's not really the physical table, and I'm just wondering, what are your thoughts about emulating a pinball table? Thanks, guys. Love the podcast. Okay. My thoughts on it. Um, One, I'm not going to trash it. Uh, it, The more and more you get into pinball, the less and less likely that is to do it for you. Um, That's pretty much all I can say. I have no problem with video pin tables, emulated tables. I had every single table for pinball arcade. I've played a lot of the um, the Zen pinball stuff. Uh, you know, fake pinball tables. I think it's fun to play them on video. But when I'm playing a real pinball table uh, these days, uh, like a, a recreation of a real pinball table, all it makes me want to do is get out there and play the real table. And the reason is it's not necessarily the ball physics. We've gotten to the point where balls feel you know wait i know right here we go feel weighty and enough. rich can comment on that yeah i'm sure he will because he's 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 a fucking genius um but they've got the weight and, and everything right the problem is is that pinball when you're not used to it it's flippers right it's aiming shots learning the rules virtual pinball is also a great way to learn the rules for cheap um to like a certain machine but uh what was i gonna say Oh, it's a very physical game when you get into it. There's nudging and bumping and, and bouncing. Sure. And you don't realize, I think, until you start play, playing it a lot, how much a good pinball player dances with the machine. Sure. And you can't recreate that in in, in virtual pinball. So you're only getting... You can nudge. That's about it, right? A little uh, Yeah, well, you've got it, but it, it just, it, it's not, not the, the same, same as, as yeah. feeling the weight and, and, and knowing the machine. And that's... That's when you get to the point in pinball where you're really into it and virtual is just not really going to cut it for you anymore. But I, if I can find a virtual version of a machine I haven't played and I know I'm going to be able to play it soon, I'll definitely fire it up and learn the rules. And it's uh, fun. It just it doesn't cut the mustard. I actually saw it this last swap and I went to that's right, I recorded for the next Flea Market Madness. They had the um, the Act Games one, not Act Games, the uh, God, who just who put out Act Games one? put out one. They did. They yeah. had it there at the. Was, I think they wanted like three fifty four. I don't know what that cost, like five hundred. I was gonna buy one. My buddy got one and he likes it after he hacked it and loaded it up with stuff. But oh, like okay. it's just like I said, it's 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 not for me. It's perfectly fine for everyone, for a lot of people. Thanks. Hey Pat me, and this is Kenyon from northern Saskatchewan, Canada. I was just wondering about how to feel about oh. trying to convince other parents that video games are not just for uh entertainment but actually educational devices i mean the legend of zelda has done so much for my problem solving skills growing up i mean it's just like try try to be the ice temple and link to the past and then not tell me that that 
really helped your problem solving skills. But anyways, thank you guys. And I hope you guys have a good day. See um, there are definitely good things to be learned from video games and problem solving skills is one. I, I think though, I, I think leaning too much on the educational aspect is bad because I don't, it doesn't really manifest itself in, in obvious ways. <sighs> What am I trying to say? I think the thing we need to convince other parents of is, is quite frankly, it's just that video games can be healthy, uh, you know, in, in, in especially the modern age of uh, modern video games online and socializing. But I don't know that we need to, like, I'm just not sure that there's enough there to say that there's some sort of educational benefit. Yeah, I know Pokemon has helped kids learn how to read. You know, there's okay. that, you know, I mean, there are games. I don't, I don't want to take away from it. There is problem solving you're learning, but I just I I don't think there's enough to really make that case that video games are educational in the way you want them to be. Sure. Do a couple more. Hey, guys, it's Daryl from Buffalo. Again. Hey, I've noticed in the last couple of years that a lot of retro game stores have been closing. And I've noticed a lot of hybrid stores popping up that sell retro video game, board games and card games. Do you think we're coming to an end of the pure retro game stores in a lot of markets? All right, guys, have a good day. Bye. Mm, no, I don't know that they are. I think, I think when you start seeing like uh, too much other stuff trickle into a game store, if that's not how they started, sure, that can be a sign of a problem because the video games aren't making them the money, so they're trying to find new stuff. Sure. Uh, that doesn't mean it's the case all the time. Um, and there are some stores that start off selling all that stuff. I do think there is still a place for a, a, a well-run retro video game store because retro is not Nintendo and Super Nintendo. Retro is a cycling thing. So there's always going to be retro games that people are going to want to play one or two generations behind that GameStop's not going to carry. I think it's probably easier if you go for like a, you know, a, 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 I think some people think it's going to be easier if you go for a big umbrella approach. But I've always found with shops that the more specialized they are, I think the more likely they are to stay in business. Sure. Yeah, it's always the danger of, yeah, what brought you there. Plus, like board games and video games are entirely different. Like I like the, both, but I mean, some, it's, it's it, just because they're games that they don't yeah, make sense together. The crossover is not the same probably at all in terms of the interest no i know lots of people who play board uh, games that don't touch video games and vice versa yeah, so i like it doesn't make sense like i can understand like you want to get like the little knickknacks the collectibles the funko pops little toys i'm like okay board games is like aren't there separate games that just sell board games and stuff like yeah, that there are plenty so, that's what i mean like that to and, me, and here's the thing uh, i've never seen a board game store suddenly start introducing <laughs> video games <laughs> but i have seen yeah. plenty of video game hey. stores start introducing board games yeah you walk into a board game store hey what, look at all these sega cd games all yeah. of a sudden it's like let's make any like <laughs> what the fuck is this all right we got, we got one more we got we got a good one all right hey pat and ian <clears throat> happy new year guys hopefully you guys are doing well and had a good holiday season so I wanted to ask you guys if you could chime in on the whole DK Oldie situation. I find it really interesting because a lot of content creators are starting to make videos about how much of a scam they are because they do have very overpriced items and consoles. So I'm curious what your take on this is because places like Digital Press are really good and have really affordable prices, but DK Oldies is crazy. So I want to know what your opinion is of them and if you've ordered anything keep up the good work guys and uh yeah happy new year i'm uh, not go ahead uh I, i'm not going to you know 
say say i don't know the people about the people who run dk oldies and this is not meant to be an insult but they have been an online store forever they're one of the OGs. and fucking ever and people have always been like yeah they're a little overpriced etc cetera, etc cetera. what happened was is it was a slow news week and someone made a video about being unhappy with the price they paid for for their games and then what happens is if it gets clicks, and especially if it's dramatic, like we've talked about, every other YouTuber who does those kinds of videos is going to see it, and they immediately have to do one. So there was always, there was always the big three. There was JJ Games, DK Oldies, and why is the third Luki one? Games. Luki Games. I used to purchase from Luki Games every once in a while because they had a good like uh, bundle shipping deal. This like 15 years ago, sure. whatever. Late, late 2000s, early 2010s. I'd be like, oh, when I was, when I was still looking for, for some NES games, some, some weird and common stuff. I'd be like, oh, okay. They got they got this game. I'll do this. Uh, I don't remember ever buying from DK Oldies. Maybe I did, but it was always to me a joke because yeah, the big boys have bigger overhead. They're the ones that allegedly we talk about run the bots. They do these purchases. How do you think they get all this shit? Right. They purchase a ton. They have multiple employees, so I'm not shocked if they charge more. Obviously, you have to shop around. I've talked to people that sold on Amazon. They said, hey, I list my console. I'll sell an NES on Amazon for $200 during the holidays because they, people don't know any better. They go on Amazon. They'll purchase a Super Nintendo. I talked to people that sell the swapping. They would say it all the time. I said, you get like 200 bucks for an NES. So yeah, you put a zapper and a couple of games, and it's like, holy shit, it should be less than half of that, but okay. Yep. So the point is, is that if you want to call out DK Oldies for like sending you something that was supposed to be refurbished and wasn't or something dirty... I get that, but you can't call them out if they're overpriced because we've known they've been overpriced for well, fucking ever. You can, but my but point I mean, is, is it, it, the reason why people are making videos about it now is because it's it got in the news somehow, and now it's a timely uh, click generator. Yeah. DK, I'm not defending DK Oldies. My point is DK Oldies has always been extremely expensive. Yes, this but, is but, but, not that's, new. That's my point. Them over them overpricing is not a scam because they're not tricking you. The price is there. Right. Like you can search for a game. People will use the word scam way too loosely. You, you search for a game, you'll see DK Oldies, and then you'll see everyone else that has the same game. So I mean, they're not tricking you to buying something worth more. But if something is broken or something is should be refurbished and it's not, then then you got a problem. That's something that should not be done. And looks like they post stuff. Uh, they have a YouTube channel. I don't know these people. These people don't come to conventions. Their operation is, is so centralized. They just, like I said, they just they bulk buy shit, and that's that led to a lot of uh, raising of these prices way back. Because it used to be that you can at least get a lot deal. It used to be that oh wow, I can buy forty NES games, Ian, and I may only need twenty, but at least you know it's a good deal still. Yeah, and you can part out the rest of them. That dried up at some point. I forget when that was, but even that became like the bots knew to add up all the prices on it, and it wasn't even humans anymore. Bidding, it was just bots basically right. doing that stuff. Just, so the point is this: if DK Oldies has a bad reputation, don't buy from them. You, it's capitalism, as Ian says. Like that's all. Don't buy from them. But yes, the ecosystem gets going. But DK Oldies has been around forever, and so as actually, I speak to JJ from JJ Games, nice guy uh, who runs Price Charting. I've spoken to him before, and uh, yeah, Lukey Games is Lukey Games still around? Lukey Games is the one I used to buy from more. Lukey Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got a website, so they're still around at yeah. least. Luki Games. Those are the big three. Yeah. Those are the ones that would probably literally have like thirty boxes show up a day from from buying lots on eBay. Then they 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 separate out, they clean them, they price them out, and they relist them. You know that's why they can say, "Oh, we have seventy five copies of bases loaded for sale." Like, how do you think they get that many that quickly? Right. They don't have a physical location, unless unless you're Luna two locations. So. 
Did it? No, that was fun. I got mad twice. All right, we'll see how that gets uh, outwardly mad twice. It's responded to. You don't care. I don't care. I'm not. I mean, I. I whatever. If it gets responded, I didn't. To, I didn't know. I didn't know you were going to go that deep on, on that about the oh, DM it just, stuff. It just came out. Yeah. I didn't realize you had that. that. I had that in my back pocket because you were worried I wasn't going to say anything, so I just kept oh, that in my back say, pocket. I didn't say you were going to say anything. I just I didn't know how how far you would go. But no, you you showed out. You know, it's a good job. All right, bye. They'll, they'll they'll make a couple of sex jokes about us, and that's it. We'll move on with our lives. All right, we'll see you uh, in two weeks for episode three forty nine. Good day. <laughs>